The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today we continue our study on the problem of evil in the world. You may recall that we're discussing this from a biblical perspective and not a philosophical perspective. And the truth is, from a biblical perspective, the existence of evil in the world is not a problem because God did not create evil, neither does he condone it. However, the existence of evil in the world is a supposed problem for the atheist. In fact, it's the biggest argument that is raised against the existence of God by those who do not believe in God. Today we continue looking at this problem, reviewing what has gone before in this series, and hopefully beginning to understand how to deal with this question when it's raised in the world. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. You may recall this morning we were uh, talking about the problem of evil in the world. Now I won't rehash the whole sermon, most of you were here, but let me just say this much, that that's, that is a philosophical problem uh, for Christianity, allegedly for Christianity, a philosophical problem raised by the atheist in an effort to argue that 
God does not exist. The idea being, and this is kind of oversimplifying it, but if, if God exists and He is omnipotent, that is all-powerful, He is omniscient, that is all-knowing, omnibenevolent, that is all-good, then why does evil also exist? Okay. Now, I told you this morning, and I repeat it today, that tonight, that um, my purpose here is not to preach philosophy to you. <laughs> I'm going to preach uh, to you from the Word of God. But in one sense, all religion uh, has a philosophical aspect to it, I suppose. Um, I mentioned C.S. Lewis this morning. C.S. Lewis was a great philosopher. He was a Christian theologian and philosopher and wrote a very wonderful uh, apologetic on behalf of Christianity, uh, uh, simply defending the faith. Uh, now, <clears throat> this morning, we began to look at the fact that there are two types of evil in the world, and that's, again, really an oversimplification, but for purposes, I think you'll understand for purposes of this message, let's just, we'll just agree that there's two types of evil in the world. There's, there's moral evil, which we call <coughs> sin, and then there's natural evil, which, which are the calamities and tragedies that happen out in the world. Uh, this hurricane this weekend would be considered natural evil, evil from the natural world. And the question is, first of all, what is the origin of evil? The origin of these evils, okay, is it God? And the answer is an emphatic no, it is not God. We looked at that this morning in the creation in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. We read especially in Genesis chapter 1 that God created the heavens and the earth. And each day of creation, he, he punctuated it with the statement, it was good. God saw that it was good. That word good, and we're not going back through it tonight, but sometime go to Strong's Concordance and read what the Hebrew word tov, which is the word used here for good, read what it, how it really, uh, all the definitions of it. It's amazing. It, it really is. You know, it's every kind of good you can think about. And then at the end of the sixth day, after he had created man, he said it is very good. It is tov ma'od in the Hebrew. And that simply means an even greater, you know, a vehement good. It's, it's not just, ah, it's okay, it's good. It was absolutely from the bottom of the heart good. Uh, like, like Mama's Aunt Kitty Pie. It was good. You know, it was really good. And so uh, the idea being here that God created everything good. And we had gotten to the point where we had talked about the harmony that existed in that original creation. And we had gotten down to the point where we realized that God had created even Adam good. And, and one thing we need to understand about Adam, we, we often are accused, as we said this morning, we're accused of being... Uh, opposed to free will and we certainly don't believe in free will when it comes to eternal things when it comes to us exercising our free will uh, in the sense of deciding to go to heaven or not okay we don't believe that you know the reason we it's, but it's not because we don't believe in free will <laughs> we believe that man is absolutely free to act in accord with his nature but he's bound by that nature. Martin Luther wrote a, a, a wonderful little treatise way back in the 1500s called The Bondage of the Will, which is a good one to read sometime. The will is bound by its nature. In the spiritual realm, we are bound by our nature, okay? And so um, 
in, in the sense, in this sense, we can say that Adam was the only human being who ever exercised or possessed rather uh, true freedom of the will. He had the ability to choose not to violate the commandments of God. And of course, you know how that turned out. By the way, if Adam is our perfect representative, which he was, he was the best, he was the best man there could be apart from the man God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he was our best representative, you know, you think God knows what he's doing? God knew who the, he didn't pick uh, the worst representative. He picked the best representative. You know, Adam's DNA was, you might say, it was perfect, I believe, Brother Buddy. It was just, there weren't any problems in his DNA. There weren't any cancer genes or Parkinson's genes or diabetes genes in his DNA. <laughs> he was perfect, and God chose the perfect representative for humankind, and even he messed it up. Even he messed it up. What does that say about you and me who are Adam multiplied? But be that as it may, we, we had gotten to the point where we saw what God created. And God did not create evil. God did not cause evil to come into this world. He created this world in, in, a, in, in a state that he could say it was very good. So what about the origin of evil? Tonight I want to look at that. And it's found in the third chapter of the book of Genesis. The origin of evil in this world, both kinds, moral, evil, and natural evil. Any kind of evil you can think about, any kind of, uh, of negative thing about this world you can think about, you'll find it beginning in Genesis chapter 3. And there are two characters, really three, but two main characters in Genesis chapter 3 that are the cause of evil coming into the world. It's the serpent, also known as Satan or the devil. And no, it's not you ladies, <laughs> okay? Eve played a part, but Eve was not the vehicle through which sin entered this world. I, I don't, I'm not going to try to prove that to you tonight. If you question that, see me later and we'll talk about it, but you'll find it many places in the Word of God, and we'll see some of them a little bit later on where that the, the, the vehicle by which sin entered this world was Adam, the man. You know, you know the, the, the woman was deceived. She, she, she really thought she was doing right. She really did. If that's, as I understand the Bible, that's what being deceived means. She thought, oh, this is a good thing. Adam, we're told, was not deceived. He knew what he was doing. God had delivered the commandment directly to him. So Satan and Adam are the two primary characters in Genesis chapter 3 where we read about the origin of evil. So let's, let's talk about the devil just for a minute. I preached not too long ago about the devil, but we might rehash it just a little bit. First of all, you need to understand that God did not create the devil as the devil. Okay? So wait a minute, what are you saying? He created the devil, didn't he? Well... He created a being which ultimately became the devil. But he did not create that being as the devil. Remember, all that God created was good. Everything God created in the beginning was very good. He had, he had made something. There was no, you know, 1 John over here. Uh, well, I, we, 
you don't have to turn there. First John chapter one and verse five, uh, I believe I can quote it fine. He says, in him was light and in him there was no darkness at all. You know, that tells us something about the nature of God. If God were to create evil, if he were to make evil in the sense that we're talking about here, if he were the origin of evil, and yes, I know there's a verse, we're going to deal with it in a little bit, but if he is the creator of evil, then that would mean there's some darkness in God. God is not the creator of the evil that we're talking about here tonight. Now, there's several verses that... Uh, I, I'm just going to give these to you because I don't want to spend too much time on them because there's actually a dispute by some among, um, some, uh, among some theologians about whether, uh, whether these apply to uh, Satan or not or whether they're just applying directly in one case to the king of Babylon and another to the king of Tyre. I personally believe they're, they're a, a two, there's two applications. In Isaiah chapter 14... In verses 12 through 13, you can look them up sometime. In Ezekiel chapter 28 and verses 11 through 19, you read about uh, an entity. Uh, and one, the first one is identified as the king of Babylon. The second is identified as the king of Tyre. And these are two entities that, uh, that are lifted up with pride, tried to ascend up into the heavens and be more than they were, supposed, they were created to be. In other words, they tried to dethrone God. And they were cast from heaven. Now, I, as I said, I believe it's talking about the king of Babylon and the king of Tyre. But if you remember, our warfare is against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Behind every throne of man, especially behind a, a wicked throne somewhere, there's a spiritually wicked throne. Behind him, a demonic presence, if you will, that is the, is, is the real power behind the throne. I believe that's what he's talking about here. But be that as it may, uh, Jesus himself in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18 tells something to the disciples that I think is kind of funny. They came back. He had sent them out two by two to go out and uh, preach the gospel and to cast out demons. And they did all these great things. And they came back to him and said, Lord, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, of course. They, they, but, but even the demons were subject to us. We got to cast out demons and heal folks and all these great things we were doing. And, you know, it's like Jesus kind of chuckled and said, <laughs> I saw Satan like lightning fall from heaven. <laughs> you know, in other words, you think that's something. Man, look what I, I saw something even greater than that. Now, I believe he was really talking about seeing Satan cast down when he sinned. We're told sometime, you, again, you can turn to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, and we're told that God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. So apparently there was some kind of rebellion in heaven. Now, you say, so what exactly is the origin of Satan? Well, I don't exactly know because <laughs> the Bible doesn't exactly tell us, okay? But that gives us a hint there of something that occurred. There was a, there, and, and that Satan, and, and especially in Ezekiel, it tells us he was some kind of a ruling angel, some kind of a angel with some authority like Gabriel or Michael. They were angels with authority. They weren't just the legions of angels. They were the leaders of the legions of angels. Uh, uh, Lucifer, Satan, had some kind of authority pertaining to earth and he, through pride, he lost his place and he was cast down to hell. He was cast out of heaven. Now, what I, my, what's your point, preacher? Your, my point is, is that God did not create the devil as the devil. Through pride, he was lifted up and became the devil. 
So we can't blame God for creating the devil and putting him down there in the serpent and causing him to uh, tempt the woman. See, God is not the author of sin. We read that in many places and explicitly in one or two. God did not create the devil as the devil. Well, what about this other character, Adam, who is, plays the major role, actually the, the key role, if you will, in, in the fall here in the garden? Well, just rest assured that God, being him in whom there is no darkness at all, did not create Adam to fall. That was not God's purpose in creating Adam. There are those of our Calvinist friends that will tell us that God created Adam for the express purpose that he would eat of the fruit of the tree so that he could fall and so that God could then work all things together for good for our sake. <laughs> We're going to deal with that verse in a minute too. But I'll tell you, beloved, not only does that not fit with the, the account, it doesn't fit with the rest of Scripture either. So look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. You remember verses 15 and 16 are where God put Adam in the garden and he commanded him to say, man, you can eat of all these trees, every tree in the garden. I, I know I always say this when we get to this point, but you need to remember this. The devil always twists God's word. Always. Remember what he told Eve? He didn't say, Eve, did, did God say that you could eat of every tree of the garden freely? Just not this one. That's not what he said. You remember what he said? Hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. That's not what God said. God said, you shall eat of every tree except this one. See, that, that's a difference. Look, if it's not a difference, you say, well, it's not a difference in substance. Well, if it's not, it's a difference in mindset. It's a difference in a way of looking at God, isn't it? Oh, this, this mean old restrictive God over here that's keeping me from something good. Or this gracious, loving God that's given me everything except something that might hurt me. <laughs> Think about that. Isn't that a different way of looking at God? Well, anyway, God did said you can eat of every tree. And then in verse 17, but the one exception of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, something interesting here, this, and it's an implication, I get that, but it does imply a couple of things here, okay? It first implies a free choice, right? He says, Adam, he didn't say, uh, he didn't say Adam, I've set you up on a robotic path, like a, like a little small-scale train, and you can only go on these tracks and no further. He didn't say, Adam, you're a puppet and I'm your puppeteer and I'm going to make you walk where I want you to walk and, and, and eventually you'll walk over here and eat of this fruit. <laughs> no, he said, Adam, you're free. You're free. He didn't just say, Adam, uh, uh, you know, you can eat. He didn't just say you can eat of every tree. He said you can freely eat of every tree. Adam had freedom. Adam had true free will. Adam had the ability to choose to serve God and to please God or to choose to violate the commandment of God. He's the only person in the history of the world that from his creation, from the moment he breathed in his first breath, he had the ability to, to truly exercise free will. Adam had the ability to choose. 
And the other thing this states in this verse are the consequences for choosing wrongly. And that's the thing we need to remember. And that's one thing that so many people in the world today who don't understand that salvation is by grace alone, by the sovereign grace of God, they don't understand it because they don't understand what being spiritually dead means. He said, in the day you eat of this fruit, Adam, you will surely die. And in fact, I like the way the King James actually puts it, thou shalt surely die. One of the things I love about our Bible, especially this King James translation here, is that there's a little closure in it. There's, there's another place I read the word shall. It's in Matthew 121 where he says, not a, you know, here he says, thou shalt surely die. But in Matthew 1, 1 and 21, he says, he shall save his people from their sins. Praise God for that shall as well, especially for that shall. But here's what he said, in the day you eat, you will surely die. So what happened when Adam sinned? Well, not to, so as we don't drag this out, uh, let me just make it as plain as God made it. He died. <laughs> He died. You say, did he die physically? Well, you know he didn't die that very day, right? He didn't die that very day physically. Uh, but what happened was the process of physical death began. That's what began. And, and do you realize that physical death occurred for the first time on that day? Over in the end of chapter 3 of Genesis, when God, you know, God didn't let him stay a few more nights in the garden till the verdict came in of what God was going to do. That very day, he said, uh, he said, behold, verse 22, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. That very day. He was banished from the presence of God. In, in the garden, he was in the very literal, physical presence of God. We saw that this morning. He could walk with him. He could talk with him. He could go around in the cool of the day with God. And in that very day, he was banished out. And notice that he drove him out. And, and, and what, we, what we find is that God, in verse 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. The first death, physical death, occurred on the day Adam sinned. Death had not been a part of this whole scheme. They got, as I said this morning, Adam didn't, the first thing Adam did in the garden wasn't start setting traps for rabbits or, or go try to shoot him a squirrel or try to go deer hunting or something like that. Adam had fruit to eat. All, of, all that Adam did with the animals was love them and live with them and be able to, I, I'm sure he could go up and pat the lions. He could lay down and take a nap with the tigers. Uh, he could do all these great things. You know, back then, he wasn't. Even, <laughs> women weren't even afraid of snakes back then. <laughs> they were beautiful back then. You know, and, and I, and I mean, not blaming just you women. I'm not a friend of snakes myself. As I've shown many of you the picture of the rattlesnake that I killed recently. I didn't look at that rattlesnake. When I was walking that day, uh, the snake was at least as far as from here to the back door from me. And my heart did not leap in joy and say, oh, a snake. My heart leaped with something else and I started getting on the phone and getting Sherry to bring me my gun because I didn't have anything else to kill it with you see 
But back then, when you saw a serpent, you'd have probably run up to it and hugged it. It would have been great to see it because it was the most subtle of all the creatures. Everything was beautiful in that day. Everything was what? Very good. <laughs> Very good. But when Adam fell, death came. So let's, let's just, let's, let's put it in scriptural terms, okay? In Romans chapter 5, listen to this. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, very familiar verse to most of you. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Hmm. Isn't that something? Sin, what do we say that is? That's moral evil. Evil, moral evil entered into the world. How? Through Adam. Not by God, but by Adam who was tempted by the devil. Okay? Now, back over and keep your finger in Romans because we're going to go back there. Back over in Genesis chapter 3, what about, what about natural evil, Brother Chris? What, what about these calamities that you've been telling us about? In the, in the uh, third chapter of Genesis, listen to what God said to Adam in verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art. And unto dust shalt thou return. Have you ever thought about the decomposition process that occurs at death? It's kind of strange, isn't it? It's kind of, it's kind of, kind of weird if you really think about it. Why is it that when something dies, and I'm not just talking about people, I'm talking about things you see on the road, that, that there's a decomposition process and it, and it turns ugly and rancid and, and there's a stench and there's, there's a, a, ultimately it disappears. It's kind of, kind of funny, really, when you think about it, isn't it? You know, you know what God said? He said it's because that body came from the dust, and that body's going back to the dust. And you know why that body is going back to the dust? Because Adam hearkened to his wife, who hearkened to the serpent, and he ate of that fruit. You see, it's on Adam that these, it says, cursed is the ground. You know, once a body dies, and once a person dies, the body is just a piece of, of material. It's, it's no longer, you know, we don't, we don't believe, some of the old other religions believe there's something still to that body, but we don't believe when we take, bring someone in here in a casket and have their, have their uh, burial ceremony, we don't believe they're really there. It's just, it, I'll never forget, and this is not to get too, uh, <laughs> too gross about it, I went to, went to a funeral today. Uh, where uh, uh, my cousin, Alfred Banks, wanted to be buried in a pine box. He didn't want a metal casket. He said, I want to be buried in a pine box. 
my granddaddy, mama's daddy, he, he didn't even want a vault. And back then they didn't require it at that cemetery over there. He said, I want a pine box. I want a wooden casket. He said, he said, as far as I'm concerned, on the day I die, if it wasn't for my family, you could just toss me over in the ditch like an old dog or something because, because I'm not there. He said, I don't care. He said, I really, and, and you think about it, he had a point, didn't he? He had a point. Now, I know we wouldn't want to treat someone's body like that. Uh, I know what we, you know, but you know, the burials for us, the funerals for us, it's not for them. It doesn't matter. It, it does not matter that thousands of people were disintegrated in the, two, in the Twin Towers uh, on 9-11. As far as they were concerned, it does not matter to the child of God what happens to his body. I, I'm not preaching that we ought to treat the body in a disrespectful way. And I please understand, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But my point about that is, is that when we die, when the soul leaves the body, the body just becomes another piece of this old sin-cursed earth. And that's why it decomposes. That's why it, it goes away in the way that I was describing earlier because it is cursed. It's part of the ground and it's going back to the ground. Why do we have natural evil? Because now this earth is cursed by the sin of Adam. That's how evil came into this world. You know, just as a little bit of an aside here, isn't it amazing that God knows exactly what to call things? He called that tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't call it the tree of the power of good and evil, did he? He said it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, in the day man ate of that fruit, he gained knowledge of good and evil. That's why we know good from bad today, because we, we understand we, that knowledge has been passed down to us, so to speak. But the problem is he lost the ability to choose the good over the evil. Now, that doesn't mean that a reprobate, an unregenerated person can't do some good things. But here's the problem. He can't do anything that pleases God. You know why? Because he's dead spiritually. Anytime one who's dead spiritually does something that on the outside appears to be good, uh, he's not doing it for the right reasons. And Jesus came down and he set the record straight with those Pharisees. They believed that abiding by the letter of the law was the way to get to heaven. As long as you don't do this and you don't do that outwardly, you're going to be fine. But, uh, you know, he said, if you, as long as you don't actually commit adultery, you're not an adulterer. Jesus said it's not a about the outward actions it's about the inward thoughts of the heart he said if you've looked on a woman to lust after her in your heart you have already committed adultery and adultery is a sin worthy of death if you've been angry with your brother without a cause he said then if just you didn't kill him say Jesus I didn't kill my brother but you wanted to and that's enough in the sight of God to be sin and you understand that not one sin can get by without being paid for. Either the sinner is going to pay on it for eternity, or Jesus paid for it at the cross. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message.
If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.